When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with the host of the Toxic Workplace podcast, Carly Mayshock, about recognizing the signs of a toxic workplace, narcissistic bosses, and changing the way we work. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A. Thank you everyone for showing up this week. This is a podcast that interviews experts, hosts, authors, etc. about domestic violence, domestic abuse, narcissistic abuse. This week we have Carly Mayshock from the Toxic Workplace Podcast. And before we get to Carly which is an interview you're going to love. If you have not been to our website recently and want to be a guest on our Survivor Story show, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button, fill out the form, and away we will go from there. And another thing we have on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, at the top of the page, we have a community support button, and that takes you to our new safe social network. Our community members are on there posting in our forums. We have integrated Zoom support group meetings on Wednesdays and Saturday nights. We have prompt workbooks for our episodes to help you dig deeper and get more clarity into your relationships and life. You can create and run your own events from meditations to closing ceremonies. And I think we might be starting a book club. I'm not in charge of that one. Someone else is going to be starting that one. And we also have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad free episodes as well. Our community members are on there. They're all amazing. And they're here to support you when needed, cheer you on when you need to give you a hug when needed. And if you're looking for support, I guarantee you'll be making a ton of new friends at our home in the process. So join our community today at NarcissistApocalypse.com. 
And another way to get some support is to go to domesticshelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. Domesticshelters.org offers an extensive library of articles and resources that can help make sense of what you're experiencing. And they can also connect you with the local resources to find ways for you to heal and move forward. So please do visit domesticshelters.org to access this free resource. And now we are going to start our show with Carly. Uh, for everyone who's listening, go subscribe to her podcast at Toxic Workplace. It's on Apple. You can uh, do it there. You can go to her website at ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com as well. And I just want to thank Carly for being part of the show, for uh, you know giving her knowledge to everyone who's uh, dealing with this stuff. This is just a, a starting point. You're going to hear survivor stories on her podcast. It's a great podcast. And now, without further ado, here is my episode with Carly. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. With me today, I have the host of Toxic Workplace, Carly Mayshock. How are you? Hi, Brandon. Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Long time no speak. Right. It's been a while. It's been a while. So everyone, Carly has a podcast called Toxic Workplace. You can find it at ToxicWorkplacePodcast.com. And your show is fantastic. You're a great host. I mean, the, the thing about you is you're a very hard worker. And the work you're doing is, is impressive. And you've already been in contact with a lot of people who want to be on your show, who want to tell their stories of being in a toxic workplace. It's a huge thing and, and just kind of getting bigger these days. It's a topic that uh, a lot of podcasts are doing episodes about, but no one has been doing a full podcast in the sense of survivor stories of these situations. And you're going to be uh, tackling this. And we're going to hear stories uh, from so many people that are, that are going to help so many people and they're going to be pretty diverse. So I just want to thank you for being here with me today, doing what you're doing because you're taking up the cause for a lot of people, a lot of working people who don't have anywhere else to turn in a, in a lot of situations and you're going to be helping uh, everyone out and you know it's uh you're going to be a blessing in a lot of people's lives so thank you, well, thank you. for for being here and i guess we're first going to start off with you know who 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 is who's carly so i'm a i'm an accountant by trade i'm a cpa um a ca- public accounting and for anybody that's familiar with public accounting, that's the accounting where it's it's a, a like a firm, and you have many clients that you do their tax, their uh, compiled financial statements, uh, consulting, bookkeeping, uh, and so there's always something to do, and there's there's never enough time, and and we track our time in six minute increments, and so that's been drilled into my head. Um, and I chose accounting because it was just a logical, um, it was a logical, practical, lucrative career that seemed safe and, um, and interesting. I do love business. I love business. And, and I do see business as something creative. And uh, I am, I'm, an, I'm a creative person. Um, 
which is why I'm doing this podcast. I've been wanting to do a podcast for years. I've had the equipment for years. I've had ideas running through my head and then um, just the inspiration of my experience in corporate America uh, and public accounting more specifically and the different personalities that I've worked with because in public accounting you work with you don't really have a boss per se. You're working with many different bosses and managers, and there's a lot of layers there. So I've dealt with a lot of coworkers, managers, owners, business owners, clients, and it's shaped the way I see how people function and their motives, their hidden motives, and experiencing just... and. I'm going to go there being a woman in a man's world. That's definitely something I'm passionate about because um, I have two kids. I'm divorced. I got divorced when I was in my late 20s, and I did a lot of things, um, you know, just without the help of somebody to to raise my my two kids for a while. And I got my CPA, which was (laughs) – I got fired from my first – public accounting job. And I loved this company, loved this company. I loved the people there. And it was a blindsided thing. And it was right when I was going through my divorce and um, emotionally it had a big impact on me. And so I was okay. I mean, I was like, I remember the day I got let go. It was like, okay, all right, let's figure this out. And so I quickly jumped into, cause I had two kids and I was in the middle of refinancing my house. Cause my divorce was just went through and Um, So I quickly accepted another job, which what I've heard so far on my podcast and and the people I've interviewed is this has been the reoccurring theme of you're in a toxic work environment already and you're desperate to get out and you into something uh, and you ignore the red flags. Similar to your podcast, when you hear or people that meet somebody and there's red flags galore. And you see this other picture of this person or this company and you want to believe it and you ignore the red signs. It's the same thing. A, a relationship with a, another human being is the same as your relationship with a, an organization. It's a commitment, right? And, and one of those things when let's say, and my comparison will be here to my podcast and your podcast is sometimes in my podcast, you have people who are married and the marriage isn't going great. It's not going well. It's on the rocks. And they, they, uh, you know, flirt with the idea of, okay, maybe it's time to leave this thing. The grass is always greener on the other side. And even though those relationships should end or they might end anyway, things aren't great. They go find out that the other side sometimes is a whole lot worse than what they were in for. They didn't realize that that existed. You know, they might want to have taken, you know, this is the next step in my career and I need to get to someplace else. You know, I need to leave here. And then they find out that the grass isn't greener on the other side. And in fact, you know, they're in, you know, a real hell. They don't know how to get out. And they could have all of these responsibilities that you have. And once you throw all those responsibilities onto someone going into these situations, it's very difficult to leave 
because uh, you're still trying to figure out what is the reality of the situation that I am in. And I'm sure that's a thing that possibly happened to you and will occur with a lot of people in the stories that are going to be on your show than have been on your show. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and continuing the comparison between being in a relationship that's not going well, a, a personal romantic relationship, and then being in a, a, a company relationship that's not going well. And you, and you are being manipulated to think it's a certain way, or you are being bullied or, um, they're taking advantage of you, taking advantage of your willingness, your niceness, your, um, it's, it's all the same, only it comes out in a different way. And it, it might be harder to see because you're not intimately close with somebody. You're only seeing one side of them at work. And so it makes it more difficult to see these signs. Um, but when it comes to jumping into another situation, another employment situation or romantic situation, but this is employment. So we're, we're going to stick there. Uh, when you jump into a situation that's worse, which if you listen to my first episode one and two, the one Jen, she went from one situation that was bad to a very bad situation, even worse, even worse. And I tell her because I'm friends with her, um, this is what, this must be some sort of lesson that you need to learn that the universe is sending you. And when you finally figure it out and you can conquer it, it will no longer be served to you. And that I, I truly believe that <laughs> you can't be afraid to jump into the next thing, whether it's good or it's bad. You just need to move and get out of a bad situation. So if you jump ship and you get into something else that's bad, look at it as a way to learn who you are. And, and it usually those bad situations, it helps you realize the things that you couldn't see before you got into it. And the same goes with an, an organization. Um, I started my career when I was in my mid-20s, and I was a lot less confident. I was a lot less... Uh, willing to speak up and say how I feel. And the more adversity that I've gone through, the more dealing with people, as hard as it's been, I've you, you get wisdom from that. And that is the ultimate goal, really, is in life, a fulfilling life is full of wisdom. So I, my message then is when you're going through these issues at work is to remove yourself as hard as it is. And trust me, I've been there. I've been tears streaming down my face in the hallway at my work because I was so upset and miserable. And, and I just wanted to get out of there, whether where I went was good or bad. I knew that it would change me. And I think that's the mentality that, that we need to take in these situations. So when someone goes to work, interview process, everything along those lines. You know, we've had some people on the show where they brought up work before. And one of the first things that they noticed that was off was the place that they worked said, we're a family. 
where you know <laughs> where the team and they mm-hmm. they try to make you buy into this whole thing that we're a unit we're working together and that clouds a lot of people in the sense of that's what they kind of believe i guess maybe when you're younger mostly or maybe you're newer in the uniform workforce that that is something that is enticing something those types of words and then eventually you start to notice that it, things aren't matching the whole entire team and family environment where things might be getting, uh, you know, you're starting to question things. So, and that can be, you know, obviously a, a red flag. Are there other red flags in, in these situations where you start to put two and two together and then you're like, okay, things aren't right here. So, just going back to when you're saying, and I'll answer that question. I just wanted these thoughts as you're saying this, um, the whole team and we're a family. And, and this, is, this is tricky because to generalize and say, oh, usually if someone says we're a team, we're a family, they're trying to sell you on something or they're trying to cover up something. Because the company I work for now is an amazing company, and they truly do treat people like family or like they care. When you think family, family means you truly care about somebody. And when you get these organizations that hire people to help them come up with core values and the buzzwords and what should we be telling people to get them in the door and watching seminars of, hey, you're you're actually a corrupt type of person, but this is how you're supposed to be treating people. It almost gives them tools to manipulate you even more. Uh, even And you don't see their hidden agenda because they're using this, we're a family, we're a team. I used to cringe at my one job when we would get an email from the the owner or the director and it was like, hey team, because his actions didn't fit the way the sorts of things he actually did, which were hidden because people would do things for him. (laughs) So you don't actually see him doing it, but you know, he's in control. It didn't align. And so when you're in an interview process, how do you see that? Because it's really hard to see. And this is where working on your own authenticity and working on your own character and understanding that Others should also be authentic and respectful. When you go into an organization for an interview, you usually have a gut instinct. And the people I've talked to, my own personal experience, I think of the, the companies I worked for that I absolutely loved and the feeling I got when I left there. And then the places that I didn't quite feel that. Something was off. I couldn't put my finger on it at all. They said all the right things. They smiled, but something was off. You're usually right. You are usually right. And this is where the jumping ship from one company that you're miserable in and you just want to get out. And so you you interview somewhere and they check all the boxes and it's a nice facility and they're a team and they treat and work life balance. If you ever feel like you're in a sales pitch, like they're really trying to sell you on something instead of just being authentic and genuine with, with 
conversation, but it feels more contrived. It's probably a facade or it's they're covering up for their lack of a true caring work culture. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do. But our, our society is becoming more mindful. So there's this, this new frontier in society that we're discovering our lineage and why we are the way we are and the psychology. Well, that plays into business as well, human resources. It's no longer this structured widget. We need to make money, profit, profit, profit. You should be thankful you have a paycheck to sit down and get to work. Like that mentality is falling away, but there are still businesses out there that are owned by older generations that are coming from that, that mentality. And it is, and you should work hard, work, 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 but it's, it, it, there's a difference between working hard and treating people with dignity and respect and giving, and, and having the awareness that we all have needs, lives, personal lives, family, that also has to be meshed in with our day-to-day duties at, at work. And so this old mentality is is clashing almost with this millennial and Gen Z generation who's looked at as lazy um, because they see things differently. And then, you know, we're entitled where, because I'm a, millenn- a millennial, <laughs> entitled, but it's it's almost like, does entitled mean we just want to be heard and respected and part of the process and part of, because we're working here every day as a unit. So from top to bottom, all, all people's opinions and ideas matter because that's, that's harmony. So we'll get there in one second. I just wanted to bring up before we get into kind of like a whole list of signs you're in a toxic workplace, which you kind of just touched upon one, but we'll, we'll get there is, you know, in my world, we discuss love bombing a lot in your world is love bombing at the beginning, two things, salary, you know, high salary and two promise of an advancement of where you're coming from and how you'll be given, you know, a step up to get to where you want to go here. And those things kind of these dangling carrots that are always in front of you to, you know, to do whatever they want to do. Oh, we're going to get there. You're going to get that. You're going to get that. Is that kind of a love bomb in, in that world? And is there any other type of love bomb? Yeah, I think that absolutely a love bomb could be a financial, uh, carrot per se to hang over somebody's head but for and that would be i would think for somebody seasoned in their career and they're looking to make a lot of a a higher salary and they're looking for the full package i've never really been at that point in my career to be that person getting uh kind of duped on getting you know the big fat paycheck and the, the big bonus um but from a staff and mid-staff level of getting people on board and love bombing them in a sense would be that initial date, AKA the interview where they put on their best charm. They show you their best 
conference room. They make sure there's a you know, donuts that day or whatever. Yeah, that I, that could people can manipulate you that way. And so then you sign the offer because you have an HR person that plays the game well because they get compensated to play the game of the uh, management and to sort of dupe people over in a, in a sense of you're, it's a script as the HR onboarding person, you need to make sure people want to come here or you don't have a job. So you have to sell this company and make it sound good. So the better, more charming of an HR person you can get, again, this is the contrived part. That's what I'm saying. Your gut instinct. If you have good gut instinct and someone's being very charming and it feels like a sales pitch, that's probably because it is. And so you accept the job. The HR person seemed fantastic. You get in the door. Everyone's nice to you. Maybe they're not. But if, if, if it's love bombing, then everybody's nice to you. But it's almost like like a narcissist. They're only nice to you because they're trying to win you over for some sort of hidden agenda. Maybe they want you to... Um, get their coffee or maybe they want you to uh, take on all their work that they don't feel like doing. Maybe they need you because they want to get the office gossip from you. And so, um, yeah, it takes a while to start for those masks to start slipping and realize, Oh, wait a minute, this isn't what they painted it to be. And I thought this person was a certain way. It's almost like instead of dealing with one narcissist, you're dealing with, you're dealing with a whole slew of different personalities and this isn't every this I'm speaking from my own experience, but when you have a, somebody that's a narcissist at the top or a bully or a, what type of person, you you know, bullies attract bullies, narcissists attract narcissists, um, insecure people attract insecure people. So if you have a narcissist at the top, the only people willing to play that game and stay in a company for decades are the ones that are okay with narcissism. So they're either a codependent or they're a, also a narcissist and it gets, it can get really backwards and, and talk about gaslighting because you don't even see it as a new person for years, for years, because at least with the romantic narcissist, you realize when they don't show up for your date or they cheated on you or you know, it's like more surefire things that can <laughs> that can unveil the narcissist but in a whole organization that's chock full of them it's really hard to see so yeah the signs then go ahead oh, yeah so so the signs i got my list right here so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read them off so you because you you okay. touched on them a lot so you know number one on my list here is your input isn't valued and I guess recognizing that your voice doesn't matter is uh, a big sign that you should get out. Yes. Yeah, so just like how narcissists come in, it's like a spectrum, right? So the way that your that a company could invalidate you could be straightforward, just a blunt you you know your work is garbage devalue you make you feel like you're not good enough for the team and you're like okay wow no matter what i say it's just not good enough 
And then there's the other side of, wow, you're so smart. You have such great ideas. You should write a memo and we'll give it to the owner and then they'll read it. Oh my gosh, the owner read your memo and thought it was really good. And then they wipe their ass with it. Like they don't care, but they're making you, they're tricking you to make you think that you are valued. And then years go by and you're like, they've never used anything that I've suggested. They don't value me. They, they don't, it doesn't match up with what they're telling me. So being aware, this is where self-awareness comes in, to be aware of yourself in the situation and to understand what's truly going on around you and when people are are using you, invalidating you. Yeah, so this goes into, you know, another thing on our list, which you've mentioned, which is gossip. So with gossip, I assume as soon as you see gossip, uh, start flying around the office. It's an unsafe place to be because you really can't, uh, as far as like, you know, you want to trust everyone at work, but at that point there, there has to be a level of mistrust that's put in you when you see that happening, especially if it starts happening, not just from a coworker, but from higher ups. And if higher ups are gossiping, huge red flag. And that's, I know that's like the unspoken, but it's a huge red flag, even if they're saying it as if they're befriending you. And a leader should never gossip. It's different talking about a leader, uh, I guess, leader to leader. It's okay to be like, hey, this person's not, this person isn't uh, producing the work we thought they were. Um, but you should never say that if you're a manager or a leader, you should never say that to someone that's not also on the leadership board. Um, and so as a staff, if a leader is telling you these things, that's a red flag as much as it feels like, Ooh, this manager, this leader is telling me these things about this, my coworker, and they must think I'm part of the group. That's, that's not good. As good as it feels, right. It's, it's always like, Ooh, I'm accepted. They, they trust me. They're telling me these things. That's not a good sign. Because if they're talking about somebody else, the second you make a messed up, they're going to talk about you. And that doesn't feel good. And I've been subject to it and I fell for it even going into some, going to talk to somebody. I know they're not going, they're going to want to get information from me about other things I know. And I always say, hold your chips. It's like playing poker. You've got to hold your chips close. You have to, even if you trust somebody, unless it's your very best, 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 best friend you've known forever. You can't tell them anything because you are then contributing to spreading the gossip. So hold your chips close. You never know if somebody gets one of your chips, how are they going to use your chip in the game? And that leads into uh, bullying. And if people are gossiping, especially if you're higher up, that means that in a certain way, that is a form of bullying because a lot of these people shouldn't be privy to this information, and now they are. And once that kind of gets spread, uh, you know, it's like a, a cancer. So I guess bullying and maybe narcissism might go hand in hand. Is that fair? Um, I would say, well, if narcissism is defined by extreme insecurity 
then yes. But I think there are bullies who are just little babies, toddlers, who never developed. They're not a narcissistic a narcissist per se. They're just so unaware and, and, and somehow they've made it to where they are by the grace of God. And they are bullies because they're insecure about their own capabilities. And so then they see weaknesses in people that they see in themselves and they make that person feel bad about themselves. And that if you have a leader, that's a bully and, and they're a top leader and, or if they're a leader and their direct boss isn't doing anything about it, then you need to get out. I mean, it's, I don't have the answer for that. I wish I did. I wish I was like, oh no, there's hope. There's not, you know, bide your time and try to find something better. I, I, I wish I could give like the, the magic answer of like, this is how you fix it. But if you have a bully as a leader, if that person doesn't have a coming of God or something and the time that you work there, you're going to be dealing with and the top, the trickle from the top, if you've got a bully at the top, I can guarantee there's bullying throughout the company. And same goes for gossip. If the, if the person at the top is gossipy, everybody's going to gossip. If the person at the top is a narcissist, everybody's going to be a narcissist because the only people that stick around are the, again, the ones willing to play whatever the leader's game is. It's all about leadership. It's all about true, authentic leadership. And I guess that leadership also plays into uh, fairness policies as far as favoritism between uh, people as well and how some people will get treated differently than others. And it could be a male to female thing and it could be, um, you know, maybe political reasons, things along those lines. But sometimes there's a divide and some people are become out of favor and some people become favorites. And I guess that can also be a little bit of a warning sign, but that takes a long time, I guess, for you to figure something like that out. Absolutely. And again, in a business where you can look at an organization as a small community, as a tribe and human beings naturally have power struggles and we pick favorites as much as we want to be neutral, we're still going to favor people, but the leaders are the ones that know, yes, this person is one of my favorites. This person over here is not one of my favorites. However, I realize that this person that is that gets on my nerves or isn't my favorite has these values that are important. And usually the people that bug us are the ones that we can't see ourselves in. And to be closed-minded to think that somebody who's not like you or somebody that drives you nuts has nothing to bring to the table on this earth is the wrong way to look at things. And that's where being open-minded and being mindful and being self-aware will help you in leadership to find the respect for people who don't completely align with your political views or um, your religious views or, or what you value. Uh, but having respect and the awareness to know that just because they're not just like you 
doesn't mean they can't bring value to the table. And, you know, listening to your first episodes, there are a couple things that I heard on there that I guess are these kind of red flags that once you're in there that you start to recognize and they kind of maybe come hand in hand. And one of them is work-life balance. And the other one would be, I guess, noticing that once you're there, that the company has not hired enough people to do the job. So you're doing possibly one and a half persons or two per people's jobs. And that becomes an issue that, uh, you know, that might happen. So obviously your work-life balance gets affected by it. So when, if you were able to start to recognize that right away, what's something that you can do better or is just there nothing you can do at this point? It's like find another job. It really depends on your resources around you at the company. You know, what, what's made available to you? How much is your voice heard and listened to um, at, at your, in your position? Um, being short-staffed and having a lack of processes, which actually uh, my episode three is a, has, has a lot to do more with this of the there's no processes. People are buried in work and no one's willing to change to fix it. And her name's Brooke. She came in there and she took a 32 hour process and turned it into two hours just by automating things. And she was in a position of leadership. So she was able to do that. So again, it depends on where are you in the company. And even if you come in as an entry level person and you see an issue because that's what you're working on day to day. And you go to your boss and you say, hey, this is how we've, we're doing it. But if we did it like this, we could save time. And if that boss shoots back at you, that'll never happen. We've always done it that way. Forget it. Nobody's going to listen to us or no, we're, we're not going to change. That's a red flag right there that with if until you can get that person on your side to then get to the next chain of, of hierarchy to, for that person to go to their boss and say, Hey, we need to change this. And then my message to those that are in the management part of the chain, if, a, if your staff come to you and say, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. And this is what I think we should do. Your ears better perk up because that's the person that's working on something day in, day out that maybe you're not, or they're seeing something that you're not. And so to hear them out and to try it out and to be open-minded about it, and then to have the courage to go to whoever you need to go to, to change things. So this is where having people in place that are listening and willing to change. If you go into a company that doesn't listen and they're not willing to change and you're overworked and they don't hire people, and you're telling them what needs to get done and they're not doing it, either have patience <laughs> and look at it as, okay, this is, I'm, I'm willing to push through this because I feel like eventually this person is going to change or leave, then keep pushing. I mean, that's up to you. How, how much are you willing to endure? But if it's becoming so detrimental to your health and your well-being and your family and just you don't feel like 
you're just a, you don't feel like yourself. You feel like a shell of a person, then that's a sign you need to go. And I get, you know, okay, Carly, it sounds easier. You know, I'm a, I'm a single mom with two kids. And for me to just leave this place, I don't know what I would find. Yeah. You know, you got to push through until you're ready to take that risk or it changes. But usually I, I, unless again, unless there's a coming of God or there's some huge change, like a, a merger or a, a change of ownership at that kind of culture really does not change. It does not until the leadership changes. So I'm going to tell a little story if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. It's my show. I can do anything. It's your show. You can do it. (laughs) Go ahead. So the first job I had out of school Mm -hmm. was, you know, I'd worked in my last year of high school. In the last half year, I worked for a big public company. I worked in the mailroom. It was a really well-run company. And then my first job out of school, I worked for a movie and television company. And it was a public company. It was a small public company, uh, but it, you know, still, you the people who were running the place didn't have any money in it. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. didn't have to be responsible in the same way that someone who owns their company has to be responsible. Yes. So it was it was interesting to see that, and I'm in there as a production assistant with the promise that I'm going to eventually be a producer's assistant for a specific producer. And I'm, you know, one of those people that was like always has a smile on their face and I'll do the little things with a smile. I'll fetch you your coffee and I'll come back and I will be like, Hey man, great day. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. I'm always yeah. walking around doing something. Even if I'm doing nothing, it looks like I'm doing something. <laughs> and I was great at that. And <laughs> I started, you know, I became friends with a lot of people. Uh, there. And I started to notice that, you know, I got to read their financial statements because it's a public company. So I know exactly how much money we have. And I noticed that the guy who was running the company, he's going to lunch all the time on to the fancy restaurant across the street on the company dime. We don't have that much money. This isn't his money he's spending. Right. And you can, I, for me, I was like, this isn't good. This, we're not like rolling in cash that this guy can go have a $150 lunch every day. Right. You know, uh, you know, I started yeah. to notice these little things like that. And there was a real disconnect between the corporate side and the creative side at the back, the people actually making things and the decision mm-hmm. makers. And there was a completely different feel on both sides. And there was a door that split everyone. And it was really, you could feel it. And there was one day where I got called into human resources. And the person said, okay, you're finally getting that job. And I'm like, yes, finally. And I'm like, okay. And they go, you're going to be a new junior graphic designer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like... I don't have any of that skill. (laughs) What is going on? And they told me that I said, what happened to me being this? Like I started working here because I wanted to be this person's assistant. And the person said, oh, they have an, they got a new assistant and it's not you. I'm like, who? 
And I got to meet this person, beautiful, beautiful girl. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be sexist or whatever, but, you know, this or whatever you want to call me, but this man, instead of hiring me as I was supposed to be, hired some really good looking young lady instead. And I found it to be very unfair. <laughs> and I knew what was up. Um, Which is so typical. I mean, it's like, it, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything disparaging to her that she wasn't qualified or didn't have any of the skills, absolutely, but, but absolutely. It, 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 we could all see what was going on. And then I had to go and be the junior graphic designer. And I entered this department. There's only two guys there who went to school for this stuff for years. They hated me. They're like, they had to teach me that they paid it. I couldn't tell you how much money to learn this stuff. And they had to teach me it for free. And as soon as the company, because they weren't bringing in money because they're not spending properly, thought that I was capable of producing stuff, they fired both people that taught me everything. Wow. So these are kind of the things that like, if I was really paying attention to everything at the time, I might've noticed what was kind of going on. Cause why did they need me there? Like why? Like they already had two people. Like they didn't right. need me there. These are the right. kind of things that I, if I was really paying attention to, I'd be like, that's really interesting. But you know, I was very young at the time and you know, this place was just, you know, I, I still wanted to learn like the job of being an assistant to this producer. Mm-hmm. So I, when no one was looking, <laughs> I went and I found budgets to the show, to the shows that we were making. And, you know, it was interesting to look at these budgets because I, I remember like, wow, these are really expensive shows. These are really like, how is this expensive? And I went online and I found like the first budget of the Simpsons because we were making some cartoons and I'm like, wow, the Simpsons was their early episodes are really cheaply made. Why are ours so expensive? So I started going through all of the expenses and, you know, being a public company, the man who runs the company, he should only get paid once to run the company, but on every show, he was double dipping and getting wow. paid on each little show as a producer on each little show, plus this other fee. If the people who were investing in this company knew what was going on, he would have been brought up, in my opinion, on like fraud charges. But these little things were going on that like, I think either I was the only one paying attention or I was the only one, um, like secretly being like, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. And I remember one guy at work who was a lower level guy put money into the companies. Like, I think this is a really good company. I think we're going to do well. I go, you sell all of your stock right now. Like this place is not what you think it is. This is a lot of devious things are going on and it's silent and, you know, not just sell your stock. We need all to find other jobs because the people being fired that I took their spot. There's a reason for that. It's because this place is a house of cards 
and it's kind of going down. And they even made an announcement once where they signed like this like $70 million deal and they announced it. And I'm like, well, no one's been paid. It's just been announced. This isn't, nothing here is final, but they made that press release go out to confuse the investing public. And I remember I started asking questions to one of the accountants there and he goes, Oh, it's really, you're really interested in this stuff. (laughs) And I'm like, I think it's, you know, good to know, um, what's actually happening here. And he actually was very good in answering all of my questions. He was a really good guy, actually. When other people are like, why are you asking this? I'm like, because we need to get out of here before our paychecks bounce. And a lot of you guys who are going to stay here are going to be used to the end until there's nothing left. And you're going to be sitting at home one day and you're not going to have a paycheck. And like, it's supposed to come, but it's not coming. And Mm -hmm. you could, if you really were paying attention, you could see the signs of the arrogant narcissistic, uh, people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wish I could tell one story, but I, I, I can't, there's, it's, it's a great, I'll tell it to you after, but cause it's an offshoot of this whole entire thing. But, um, you know, eventually I left and I think three months later, the company did go under, wow. uh, um, but it was, it was really an education of just watching people. And the thing that I said when I left, they go like, what did you, what did I learn from my experience there? And it was like, how not to run a place? Like, you know, sometimes you work at a place and you're like, you learn, oh, I like this. I like that. This person does this. But watching a place where everything isn't done properly is really quite an education. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, definitely. The harder situations are the ones that you learn the most from on what not to do. And your story really can relate to any story that has a leader or owner that is greedy, overly greedy. And, and I do, I believe that people that own companies, company owners, business owners, you know, it's up to you. You take out, you've created this business, you take out what you want, but when you go beyond what is good for the rest of the company, right? Take care of your people first and then pay yourself a big fat paycheck. If you can't have a team behind you that's happy and taken care of, then you're going to be miserable eventually. You're eventually, like you say, a house of cards. So if you're taking all the proceeds, leaving nothing for anybody else, and everybody else is working their butts off, but you're going to a fancy steak lunch, eventually it's going to catch up to you. And then you start getting turnover because nobody wants to work in a company like that. And turnover costs money. It costs people's sanity because they have to pick up another job that somebody else just left. It's enough work for two people, but now you've got one person on it. And eventually that person's going to leave. And so you don't have... Sorry, and that that contributed... When when these things started happening, low morale really set in. And once low morale set in, I mean, it was hard to make a comeback from low morale at, at work. It's a domino effect. So you're, you've got turnover, you've got overworked employees, people aren't 
themselves because they're overworked and they're not happy and they can't enjoy life for what it is. And the longer they stay, the more miserable they are. And so people that come in the door, if they're, if they have the willingness to be miserable, they'll stay. And it turns into a low morale, toxic environment that is, you can't come out of unless you remove that leader, quote leader, I don't even want to call leader, owner, person at the top that, that infused this toxicity in the first place. So if that person's not leaving, then this company, whoever, whatever company you're in, if the person at the top is the, is the culprit of the toxicity, if there's toxicity, it's probably going up to the, the owners. There's something wrong there. So when it comes to your show, the Toxic Workplace Podcast, which is a great podcast everyone should listen to and subscribe to today on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, you know, what is, I guess, your objective? What do you want people to learn? And, you know, besides stories that you'll be telling, will you be doing investigative type of stories, uh, you know, things that kind of maybe go a little bit beyond the scope of uh, just a regular toxic workplace because all of this affects people's lives in a certain way. And, you know, you are and not that your show is going to be dominant about women, but, you know, you're a proud uh, woman in, in the workforce. And will you be doing things from that perspective a little as well in certain cases? I am open to whatever finds its way to me. Uh, that's why I'm loving this podcast is because I don't know what's about to come, but I know it's going to be a story that has a nugget of empowerment to somebody. And I want to be able to give that story justice and make it, help it resonate with everybody that's listening. Um, when it comes to the purpose of what I'm doing, it's really to expose what is happening. And my friends and family and people I've told about when I had this idea and what I'm doing, and they're all like, yeah, but don't you want to empower people? You got to empower people. I think just showing people what's going on and making people aware is empowering to say, okay, I'm in a toxic workplace. I need to, I need to figure out how my game plan, or I see it. I need to take action and, uh, hearing other people talk about similar circumstances is going to be empowering to listeners and the type of toxic workplace. It's, it's so far, it's been very different, everybody I've talked to. And I actually thought I was going to talk to a lot of women about being in a chauvinistic uh, situation because that's been my situation just from the industry that I'm from. It's very male-dominated. It's a boys club, you know, forever and ever. Accounting firms has been run by guys. Um, so I, this, that was what I was expecting. And trust me, I've got a lot to say about that. Um, but it's funny because everyone except 
my first episode, part one and two, has been females. And that's something that I'm learning. Um, it, it's something new to me. Something, because I have not dealt with a toxic female boss like that directly. And whatever the issue is in the, in the bullying, I, it, these stories about bullying, it, it's, it's horrible what bullying does to somebody. I mean, it, it really has an effect. I, I've been lucky to never have been truly bullied in the workplace, maybe in, in elementary school or, or middle school, but never, um, never in my career. So, but there are stories out there and it's insane to me that a company could have bullying and not do anything about it. And, and it exists. It, it's happening. So I guess before we leave today, is there anything that you want to, you know, message for the audience about your show that we haven't covered that, uh, you want them to know? I want anyone to know that is experiencing a workplace that is toxic or negative or weighing on their spirit, that this is a gift for you to develop who you are and your character and to build your confidence. And even though you don't see it right now, you're going to find the courage to get out and you will... If you keep your mind to it, you will eventually come upon something that highlights your attributes and celebrates who you are. And you'll realize only then that that hardship that you went through, you had to go through it in order to get to where you are. So anyone that's like, I can't take it one more day, going to work tomorrow, or if you're at work right now listening... <laughs> Take a deep breath, put a smile on your face, and know that this is all working for you and not against you. And for everyone listening, if you want to be a guest on your show, which we're always looking for guests. I'm always looking for guests on this show. So if you <laughs> if you want to be a guest on Carly's podcast, where should they send an email? You can find me on Instagram uh, at Toxic Workplace Podcast. You can message me there. You can go to my website, toxicworkplacepodcast.com, click on be a guest and fill out the, uh, the fields and I'll get an email. I'll send you an intake form and we can have a conversation. Uh, everything we talk about, if it can be, it can be completely anonymous. Everyone that I've brought on my show, uh, if they don't want to say the industry, they don't want to say you can be as general as you want and, um, and we'll make it work. And everyone can find you at toxic workplace on Apple, on Google, soon to be Spotify. And I just want to thank you for being here with me today, sharing your experience and your knowledge and I think everyone's going to love you and I can't wait to see uh, what happens and hear more of your stories. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here with me today. And from Carly and I, we hope you have a good night. <laughs>